The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. <laughs> Let's try this again, shall we? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, as we are live to tape on the W2M Network for the kickoff season two, regular season episode eight. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining us, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host and executive producer, Brandon Biscabang. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. Yes. Can we do I, that I, without getting sued? Can that be fair use? Is that like fair usage? No, I, I, think, I think you're good. So. I think you can use a clip as long as you don't use the actual like video with it. And we don't do video here on the And thank God for that, because it's Friday night and... It's like 11 o'clock on a Friday night. I'm snug underneath a blanket in my bed right now. Anywho, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Yes, 2019 Seattle Seahawks football presented by Amazon. Only the chair does videos or tries to. (laughs) Amatron? Amatron. I, I see. I it's, had it said perfectly. Then you mentioned videos, and then I had another joke that popped up in my head. So that one's on your fault. Is Harry. that is that Amazon mixed with Calvin Johnson? I was going to say. I think it's Amazon owned by Calvin Johnson. <laughs> He's got the money. Yeah, basically fair. And the third man is Jason Teasley. Well, also known as the shape shifting wombat for the evening. Oh, so you're going to be swallowing bees in your near future, I take it. I hate all of them. Just call me candy, man. (laughs) So much. (laughs) This is Studs and Dud. Eric, and it's not the bees! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For my stud, I'm going to ask a question. In all the ranks of professional football... Who holds the record for most consecutive field goals? Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker up till last week. No, 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 that was that's extra points. He does not have the record for most consecutive field goals in the NFL. Although, if you extend his record back to college, yes. But just in professional football, the record was Adam Vinatieri, forty-four in a row. Until last week, a rookie by the name of Lewis Ward for my Ottawa Red Blacks playing north of the border, aiming their way towards another Grey Cup. He broke that record by kicking his 45th consecutive successful field goal in a very big win. For that and bringing a record to the Great White North, he is my stud. So, did so, he really get a, give stud to a CFLer? <laughs> Apparently. Damn right I did. That's the first here on the kickoff. Noted. Fans and disease to you too. For those interested, if you have ESPN Plus, you can actually watch all of the CFL games on there. Just tossing it out there for informational purposes. Brandon? Funny. It's a big week. Playoff spots on the line. Hey, hey Harry. 
Yeah. Guess what time it is? Me to punch you in the dingus? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this week's stud is presented to you by Robert Taylor. I went all off this ride. <laughs> what? I said I went off this ride. Robert, if you're listening, between Brandon, that sponsorship with a stud, and me getting you a new listener to MMA to the max, you better thank us. Um. So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, in um, another week that everyone thought, oh, you know, he's facing off against a team that's pretty good. Maybe he'll finally start coming down from this high that he's had. Nope. Just, just, just nope. He he proceeds to absolutely dominate the four and one Cincinnati Bengals, forty five to ten, throwing three hundred fifty eight yards and four touchdowns. It is most certainly Mahomes' time. Well, a they were four and two going into oh, that okay. game. Fair enough. E, I just want one Patrick Mahomes interview where he goes, "Hi, ho, Kermit the Frog here." Just one. Jason? President, <laughs> piggybacking off of Bisco's stud, you know who else is a stud in that game? Cream Hunt, who I don't, not so much for his yard totalage and everything, just because the kid is a freak of nature running the ball. He hurdles people. He disappears and reappears. Pretty much teleports. I'm pretty sure that he has magic powers that sh- that they're going to start testing for, and he's going to be ruled out for the rest of the season, thanks to Goodell. But just basically off one run where Cincinnati thought they had him down, somehow he appeared three yards away from the defender and hurdled a guy and got an extra seven yards. I consider that studly. Continue. I'm going to take you to the Pacific Northwest-ish. It's actually in the mountain time zone, but it's close enough to the Northwest that we're going to go. We're heading to the great state of Colorado, where Eric would be a fan of their legality laws. Hey, you've got those same legality laws in the actual Pacific Northwest on Mm -hmm. both sides of the border. It is the same way in Washington as well. All right, anyway. Um... So there's this team in Colorado in the National Football League called the Denver Broncos, who had lost four games in a row after a two and four, after a two and zero start. Many people were saying, "Well, they're done for the season." And then all of a sudden, on Thursday Night Football in a national broadcast game on Fox and the NFL Network, Denver decided to show up, both offensively and defensively. I will talk about the offense first with. The trick play from Emmanuel Sanders hitting Cortland Sutton with a 28-yard touchdown pass. Good call on Cortland Sutton, Jason. No problem. To Emmanuel Sanders, I'm here. To Emmanuel Sanders being on the receiving end of a 64-yard touchdown pass from the aforementioned last week, Case Keenum. Maybe I should have made that. Nah. This is the big stat, though. It was 21 to three after the first quarter. After a pair of pick sixes by the Denver defense, the Broncos showed up big time. 
they have the opportunity to do so again this Sunday on CBS when they take on Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric, Dud. 36 points for that defense, and I had them on the bench. I almost want to make myself the dud for that bonehead mistake. But I have been spared. You mentioned Justin Tucker and his incredible seven-year career, Mr. Automatic. Extra points, regardless of the distance, field goals, you name it. However, now again, this is against the New Orleans team. Drew Brees, 0-5 against the Ravens going into this game. And the Ravens and the, the Saints have been on this end. Does anybody remember John Carney and the River City Relay? Well, Justin Tucker pulls a John Carney and misses what would have been the game-tying extra point pretty much at the buzzer, costing the Ravens a game. Now, granted, it was the first miss of his illustrious career, dating back a long ways, but for something like that, yeah, for this week, you're my dud, but you at least gave us an incredible meme and gif based on your reaction to said miss. So okay. there's that. I will say this much to Justin Tucker's defense. He didn't allow 17 points in the fourth quarter on defense. Oh, that's true. I'm not pinning it all on him, but that's one Again, John Carney still hasn't lived down his miss here in Jacksonville. Sadly, that happens. So that happened. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Sorry, too easy. Brandon, stud. Um, so this team basically had a clear-cut shot to the playoffs and blew it against a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. Nope, you're stealing mine. Try again. Wait, what? You're stealing my You have the Buckeyes? You have Ohio State? I I picked Ohio State the day it happened. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Give me a second. Go to Jason. Why he scrambles for another one, continuing the running (laughs) of this show. At least it wasn't you this week, Jason. Yeah, I know. My dad is um, the entire coaching staff for the Tennessee Titans. What a train wreck that was. You fly across the pond. You, you're you down to the Chargers. You make a nice fourth quarter comeback. Last 30 seconds, you score a touchdown. You're down one. Kick the field goal. Take it to overtime. Make for some compelling TV. Now, let's go for two. And not only did they not get it, they got another attempt with the ball on the half-yard line and did not punch it in. I wonder. And I was was a Tennessee Titans supporter. I was a very big athletic supporter for them. Not no more. 
I mean, I kind of get the decision because it worked against Philadelphia. But at the same time, L.A. was worn down all throughout the fourth quarter and throughout big parts of the second half. While, yes, the gutsier call is going for two, okay. But when you have that much of a physical advantage at that point, you play for overtime, get yourself a winning score in the extra 10 minutes. They're down, they're gassed, you put them through a more hell so that way you can walk out of there with a win. The answer to your question, Brandon, is no, you cannot. He's going to need a few more moments, so I'm going to go ahead and do mine right here since he tried to steal it a few seconds ago. Everybody on this show knows that my favorite team is Florida in the college ranks. Mm -hmm. Everybody on this show knows that my second favorite team in the college ranks is Penn State. I have developed a connection with Penn State. I'll tell you off air. On behalf of Penn State and everybody else in the Big Ten... (laughs) okay i'm good Uh, don't don't get me wrong there's nothing more difficult than going to west indiana (laughs) and absolutely freaking folding to the purdue boilermakers hashtag boiler off what the hell is that, Ohio State? Okay, I'm good. Brandon, have you found the? Yeah, I got one. I'm I'm gonna kind of kind of piggyback off your uh, stud for the week. My dud for this week is the Arizona Cardinals. You are an absolute train wreck. The Broncos, while yes, they started off the season well, they were on. In free fall mode, and you proceed to give up 45 to them. Okay, to be fair, the defense only gave up 31. Fair enough, but still. That that just shows how bad they were on both sides of the ball because they're uh, throwing interceptions and giving the ball over left and right as well. Yeah, it was a rough day to be an Arizona Cardinal. That is for damn sure. On a nationally broadcast game, I think that makes it worse. Yeah, getting oh, your definitely. On the national scale. Same for Cincinnati against Kansas City, too. You could make the argument. Although yeah, Kansas City is a better team than Denver is. Yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, you expect this out of Cincinnati. You expect it out of Andy Dalton. I mean, Josh Rosen, it's really bad for him because that would have been his first. That was his first big moment of his career and to see everything go down like that was tragic okay let me first of all say here that how dare you defame the good goddamn name of andy dalton Uh, i got a question i might have an answer was a fist tragic wait what said but you said it was tragic. I said no. I said, but was it Fitz tragic? <laughs> uh, kinda. Okay. <laughs> well, no, it was all kind of on that level. 
Actually, I think he's more Fitz benched at this point. <laughs> Especially well, he, after he the game Winston his, had he, last week. Yeah, he uh, got a direct TV subscription, and he's back to the Brian Fitzpatrick Red Cable. <laughs> I got a question. I mean, this is mostly for Bisco. Would you guys pay to see a like a brief like YouTube reality show? Of Fitzpatrick taking Eli Manning shopping for clothes. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, I have. Would no that word. not be the most awesome thing ever? Because, like, would you not pay for to see Eli Manning like a nineteen seventies pimp from Harlem <laughs> doing, doing, I mean... doing press conferences? I will say Fitzpatrick's wardrobe leaves a lot to be desired. I will give Jason that. Uh, he really, I don't know, though. To really pull off that kind of a look, Eli would have to grow a mustache. And I don't think he's even physically capable <laughs> of doing that. Or better yet, instead of Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick signing the NFL contract, they sign him to Queer Eye for the straight guy. And just let him do makeovers for NFL personalities. Like, I mean, like him doing Bill Belichick. Oh, <laughs> oh God. That, okay. I would okay. like, that would be that, funny. <clears throat> this is pure comedy gold. <laughs> All right, for now, let's move on to So That Happened, shall we? Um, I, got a, I got a fun story for you guys this week since I was kind of Debbie Downer last week here. My girlfriend actually sent this to me. Uh, she found the story on ESPN because she has the Steelers feed in her news feed on her phone. And she found this story on ESPN. Uh, do you guys remember what Tuesday was? $1.6 billion? Yeah. Tuesday was the day after Monday. Yeah, it was the day I didn't win the Mega Millions and had to be pissed off that I had to go to work. <laughs> well... There was somebody else who had a plan for that Mega Millions jackpot, Eric. Uh-oh. I know where name, you're going with this. And his name is Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. His, his plan with that Mega Millions jackpot was to get enough money to bring back Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if you take the cash option, that would have been more than enough. I could. I, I can't ES- argue with. <laughs> from the ESPN story, I tried to win so we could get Le'Veon back, Smith-Schuster said. It didn't work. While Bell continues his holdout, Smith-Schuster purchased 120 Mega Millions tickets at a local gas station this week. He said on one of the tickets he got five of the numbers correct and won 10 bucks, which he'll use to play Powerball the next night. Okay. Now, for Juju's sake, I have to add this. Did he play the regular Mega Millions, or did he pay the extra buck per ticket and pay the Mega Plier? That's I the difference. Like, I feel like Juju could afford the Mega Plier. I, I think course. he's making enough to be. I think he's making enough to be able to find the extra scratch. <laughs> Just figured I would start things lighthearted here, since I was kind of Debbie Downer with the death last week, Eric. Okay, 
the first time that I got my intro right, well, a certain someone couldn't appreciate a certainly well-timed troll for the opening of our show, so it will forever be lost to the archives. The second time, and I butchered it because someone mentioned something and gave me another joke that I had to think of simultaneously, well, you hear the rest at the beginning. Amatron. Amatron. (laughs) Continue. But, But there's a reason why I mentioned this. Tying into last week and over the past couple of weeks, as we know, Paul Allen... Seahawks owner, unfortunately, passed away. Right now, his sister is in charge of the team. She does not want to be in charge of the team. So, of course, when things like this happen, a team is naturally going to be up for sale. Well, one certain owner, a man named Jerry Jones, he's thinking to himself, I know the perfect guy who would be great to buy the Seattle Seahawks. That man would be Jeff Bezos. Now, granted, I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy enough to where it could work. Apparently, Jerry has been in Bezos's ear, trying to poke and prod to get him to go to certain meetings and this and that. So... Yeah, as the weeks and months develop, uh, stay tuned to that one. Now, here's my question. If you order merchandise from the Seahawks, are you guaranteed to get it in two days or less with free shipping? I would hope so. And hell, imagine get it being delivered by drone right to the stadium. Order something while you're tailgating? Uh, uh, with as many, no, I wouldn't say drunk people in seattle they're more hyped up on like super expensive lattes <laughs> no they're they're smoking weed they're high can you imagine it would, it would, it would cause mass hysteria like <laughs> aliens are coming to get everyone exactly can you imagine a bunch of weed smokers out there seeing drones flying in bro we're being invaded bro <laughs> this has happened i knew it for the movies Bro, you activate the plan. <laughs> somebody, somebody would call Tom Cruise and say the world, war of the world is going on. We need your help. <laughs> Brandon. Um, and apparently this is something that hasn't really ever happened before. Did you see that the NFL fired an official this week? Yep. I did. Yeah, because of a balloon call. Yeah. So, and a a lot of people are saying this is opening Pandora's box. A balloon call in week six that forced him to sit out of week seven, as a matter of fact. I read the story on Mm -hmm. ESPN.com. And the NFLRA is none too happy about it. No. Now, my question, you are doing that for what happened in week six. What's going to happen to referees that screwed up the beginning of the Thursday night game? Well, that's what the article I was reading was talking about was, you know, the, you know, now people are saying, oh, are they going to get fired? And now it's basically opening Pandora's box up. 
I mean, you could take it a step further with the hit that wasn't called on the Browns Baker Mayfield on Sunday as well. It's mm-hmm. honestly, I think that this is going to be a situation here, and we can have a brief discussion about this real quick because we're we're running decent on time so far. I think this is going to be something that they need to do in the offseason. You need to evaluate season-long performance at the end of the season and then determine who does and doesn't come back the following season. Firing an official during the course of the regular season sets a very bad precedent and also opens up the officials to more scrutiny, not that they're not already getting a ton from the media, casual fans, and the Players Association alike. And not only that, but it also probably impacts the way they officiate because they're worried that their jobs are on the line. Yeah, and as is, is, they're already subject to end-of-the-year reviews regardless, and they're placed into a three-tier system where if you're in that third tier, you're at the lowest of the low. If you remain in that tier for two consecutive seasons, you could already be fired. Doing this on the spot does seem kind of knee-jerk. I mean, I, I, I get the need to take action, but there were a lot better ways to go about this because mm-hmm. of all the other missed calls and even the now infamous snap infraction. All I'm going to say is Ed, Ed Hockley's took his guns and went home. The refs went downhill. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm pretty sure that Ed Hockley could could make a respectable bench bench press showing at the NFL Combine. <laughs> well, not only that, but he also in the off season he's a lawyer. Good luck firing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he retired. But that's kind of my point, though. Good luck firing. Yeah. Um, Brandon. Yes. Do you have the article pulled up in front of you? Is it the Kevin Seifert article on ESPN? Uh, I'm not sure if it's the Kevin Seifert article, but I do have... Yes, it is. Okay, then we'll make sure we link that in the description for the episode as well. So right. we, we use it as kind of the talking point for this particular segment. All right, let's go ahead and move on here real quick. Jason, so that happened? So that happened. Everybody likes... When I get on my little soapbox and shake my fist at the air, talk about how, talk about how I used to have a turnip, a turnip as a belt buckle and walk to school six miles uphill both ways in four feet of snow. And my, 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 and my, and my undying, glaring rants about how the SEC has bias toward him. Especially Alabama. Point in case. Case in point for all the people that's not dyslexic. The this past weekend arguably one of the, the best linebacker in college football. Devon White from LSU gets a ridiculous targeting call when he has a wide open shot at Nick Nick Fitzgerald. You can see him hold up, try to 
stop, kind of push her to the ground. But his face mask grazes Fitzgerald along the neck and side of the head. Flag thrown, White's ejected for targeting. This has to be the weakest targeting call I've ever seen. I've, I've seen similarly bad. Mm-hmm. I, I understand player safety and everything, but with that being said, you have to have some parameters. It On multiple angles and multiple replays, you can see that it was not a targeting call. Why does this tie into Alabama? LSU and Alabama play this week. And magically, the second best player on the field is going to be suspended for the first half of the game. This is a team leader, an anchor of that defense, and everything, but magically he gets suspended for the first half of the Alabama game. Maybe the refs are in the pocket of Alabama supporters. Who knows? But I just... There's something has to be done about this. I understand him getting ejected for the game. Really don't. But the whole ejected for the first half of the next game just came, seemed a little fishy to me. Well, that's actually part of the new targeting rules. If you are ejected for targeting in the first half, you are done the rest of the game. If you are ejected for targeting in the second half, you are done for the rest of the game, and you are suspended the first half of your next game. So they are applying the rule properly, but at the same time, I do agree with you. The timing of this, because of who their next opponent is, it does seem suspect. And looking at the replays that I've seen, yeah, that was a very weak targeting call. I, mean, I can't say the same because I didn't see it at full speed, but from what I saw, yeah, there was effort to try to at least slow down. But here's the thing about that with what you just said right there, Eric. All targeting plays, especially when they're ejectable ones, are reviewed. Mm-hmm. So yes, that doesn't matter. Well, it, th- th- that, th- that's the thing. That's the wrinkle that they put in to where they are reviewed and the penalty can be rescinded, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. So the, re- the reason why I say I couldn't see it at full speed, I don't know for certain. If the replay official can only see it at full speed, that would be ridiculous. If they benefit of slow motion, then yes, it should have been used and that should have been rescinded. If they don't have the benefit of slow motion... Then the, then the rule needs to change automatic. pronto, because that's yeah. ridiculous. If they do, if that is the case, that they do not yeah, have, that they do not have uh, the luxury of slow motion instant replay when you are using instant replay, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. I yeah, don't, I don't a, buy that. Yeah, from my understanding, now I know it's like this in the NFL. They might have changed it now that they're going to the tablets. You can, and I've seen reviews in different leagues, you can stop, you can freeze and all that, but it's only been within the last year or so that they have any sort of implementation of slow motion. If that's not the case, you're right, it should be. 
And as a sidebar, my God, LSU needs to make those uniforms permanent. Good Lord, they were clean and sweet. I mean, I said it before when we were talking about all the sacks and everything, and I'll say it again right here. Referees, one of the prerequisites to become an NFL or college football referee, or any referee for that matter, or umpire, or anything like that, maybe not quite as much in baseball because uh, plays are pretty straightforward, but especially in football, you need to understand basic physics. Mm-hmm. He was running at full speed, and there was no way that he could have stopped mid-motion no. at that time. And he didn't even hit him hard. He just simply, he basically realized that, oh, he threw the ball. I can't hit him directly. I'm just going to push him to, you know, to basically stop yeah. myself. He was basically yeah, doing it, it more so to stop himself more than anything. Yeah, immediately as soon as he saw, oh, the ball's left his hand. He, Devin White, pushed put his hands up and pushed them out. That, in that split second, that's the proper reaction. I would understand that. And because of that sheer force of momentum, just from your size, and if you're pushing your hands up and out, yeah, you're going to push into the guy. That's something like that's going to happen. I'm seeing that I don't throw a flag. Yeah, completely agree. I'm going to assume that the call was for hitting a defenseless player, but I'm going to agree with that. I think it's a bad idea in the way that it was officiated in order to, in order to toss him out for that particular hit there. Cause I've seen far worse, not get penalized this season. That being said, I'd like to think that we're above the reproach of a team going into, of an officiating crew going into advantage for a particular school. But I'm not going to say that we haven't seen some shady stuff from officials before, so I won't entirely rule it out. I would hope that that's not the case, but I wouldn't entirely rule it out as viable. Brandon, diamonds are hard. Uh, diamonds. Okie doke. Hey, Jason. Did I win? You just want to toss. Yay. Can I get my salad? <laughs> Family show! <laughs> you set him up Why there. I just wanted a salad. Brandon, you go second. Eric, you go third. Jason, NFL, college, or the mixed topic? I'm going to take college today. All right. My college preview for you guys was conferences. Buy or sell. The conference that would get screwed the most if Notre Dame goes undefeated is the Big Ten. I'm selling that. I think it's going to be the Big 12. Uh, the Big Ten, I mean, uh, it came in on paper preseason, looked really tough. Uh, a lot of the teams have stumbled along the way thus far. Um, and the Big stumbled already. Yeah. Uh, teams in the Big Ten. 
Uh, there's no undefeated teams in the Big 12 either. Um, I, I think I think the um, the Big 10 would still get a representative magically, uh, unless you know voters do what they usually do and give make three SEC teams and Notre Dame. I mean, I could see voters. I could totally see that happening. Um, because, you know, they prove you don't even have to play for your conference title as long as you're in the SEC and you can get a bid. Um, I think the Big 12 would be the one screwed. Uh, there's three really strong teams in the Big 12 right now, judging by the bounce back that VU did last night. And God, I hope they can play like that when they face this schedule in November. But uh, you still got Oklahoma you got a pretty strong Texas team still there. So I think that the Big Ten is safe. I just think it's going to be um, uh, Big 12 teams that would get screwed if Notre Dame goes undefeated. Brandon? Um, well, let me just preface this by saying we, we all know what, uh, what team is going to be the most screwed regardless. Of what happens. But, yeah, probably, because, I mean, although it's going to be hard, they're going to figure out a way, I think, especially if both Michigan and Texas uh, lose again, and Oklahoma. Um, they're going to figure out some way to finagle another SEC team in there. Eric, I'm honestly going to sell because you've already got pretty much one conference that's screwed, and that's the Pac-12. You have got, and Brandon just brought up the best point, even Notre Dame goes undefeated, there's two teams in two big conferences without a conference loss. Michigan in the Big Ten. Texas in the Big 12. And now, the Big 12, I would see, unfortunately, as the one more likely to, if their banner waiver, Texas, goes down, they would absolutely be out as bad as it is. But if you're looking at for the Big 10, if Michigan continues this run, and Notre Dame goes undefeated, well, Michigan would have the one loss to Notre Dame. You would have to have some sort of argument, especially because even with the SEC, with the brands, Michigan is a big brand. Harbaugh has continued to be a big brand. The playoff would put them in. Now, if Michigan does slip up, well, then it's going to be chaos all around. But do I think that they're at the biggest point of disadvantage right now? No. Brandon, yes. NFL or uh, NFL? Why am I not surprised? <laughs> you you Buy ask this, and I give you the same answer every week. By yourself, the Oakland Raiders have basically become the Miami Marlins of the National Football League. Oh, I have to definitely buy that. I mean, they're just a complete train wreck right now. 
anything further, or is that all you got? Um, I mean, there's not really much else you can say about the Raiders. They're just... I don't know why, um, but just John Gruden cannot cannot seem to do anything right right now. Eric? I'm going to buy, but I'm going to buy with the slight caveat. The Marlins are just crap for no apparent reason. They're crap. This is the curse of the Orange Bowl that I have joined many, many other people and have rained down upon that franchise for taking away a sacred stadium to build pretty much a monstrosity that's a barnyard animal that nobody really asked for or wanted. That's beside the point. The Raiders are crap for a slight bit of a reason. They're not going to say it, especially not Gruden, but if you look at it, Mark Davis is poor. They're going to Vegas. Right now for this season, with how they've got everything locked in, they're tanking. You're going to see more names on the chopping block, and they're going to be gone, and they're going to rebuild from scratch. Now, what they do from that, that really depends if they are going to be the dumpster fire that we all know and hate. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt just yet, but there's a teeny bit of a difference. A teeny bit. Whether the method to the madness actually works, who knows? Hey, you you could say the same thing uh, in the opposite way for the Raiders about their stadium. Yeah, O.co is a dump. They, they, they took they took what was a very nice baseball stadium and uh, retrofitted it to make it a dumpster fire of a uh, multi-purpose stadium with Mount Davis. Yeah, but the thing is the fact that they wanted it and you actually have people that are willing to, you know, do whatever they can, keep the team there, and they would really form a rallying cry to make the updates and changes they needed. For everybody in, like, Little Havana and that area where the Orange Bowl was and where Marlins Park is, they wanted to punch everybody in the face. I was willing to drive five hours down there and punch people in the face. Fair enough. I will say that O.co is a dump, and once they have the new stadium, no, it, it's a, they literally have issues with sewage, so I'm not discounting that by any stretch of the imagination. Jason, buy yourself? I'm buying it, and just as soon as I bought it, John Gruden traded me Derek Carr and four first-round picks for it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that Gruden is... I, I'm going to kind of side with the guy after looking into things because as it sets right now he was pegged to have three top 10 picks coming up in next year's draft i don't know but i see that that being a solid rebuilding thing of course the browns can prove the theory wrong that you can't you can't rebuild with three first top 10 picks, but you know, that's the Browns and they're going to Brown. But the Raiders, the Raiders currently are sitting with three top 10 picks. That's kind of a good thing, especially with a huge bit of cap space that they opened up getting Cooper off the books, 
So, but also this just in, I heard that Gruden is now on the phone with Chicago to sell, to trade those three first round picks for Khalil Mack. Interesting little question for you, uh, Jason, uh, kind of moving things over towards our, one of our later segments. Yes, precisely. Uh, would you, Segway. especially considering uh, what the quarterback class looks like uh, for next year, would you be willing for the Giants to trade the presumably number one overall pick for Carr? Oh, they're, hell no. Uh, Gettleman will, if we do end up with the number one pick, um, I I see us trading out of that for pick value and um, still staying in the top five. But with the kid from Oregon announcing that he's coming back for next year, I don't see see the Giants relinquishing that pick unless he was coming out. Well, well, Justin Herbert's going to go back to Oregon for his senior season? That was as the rumor right now said that he's okay. Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, I got to tell you right now, hear me out. We all know Blake Bortles is a biological bastion of bullshit. Hang on to him just a little bit longer. Suck just a little bit more. We can get Justin Herbert. Can you do that for me? I will put up with this for another 18 months if we can get him. Please, for the love of God. Uh, if you're interested, we might have a Nathan Peterman for sale. No, uh, I don't think anyone wants Nathan Peterman. Uh, okay, we have Peterman's a quarterback there. that throws interceptions on his own. Thank you very much. We so do we. At, at, this, at this point, I'm not even sure Nathan Peterman's parents want Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Rough times, yeah. rough times in they Buffalo. R- rough times on the kickoff. Just look at all of our NFL teams. I mean, Eric still technically has a chance, but that's because his division is shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, have you seen what Houston's been doing lately? They're actually competent Yeah, now. look what they oh, wait, did they, last night. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little yeah, bit, yeah, I yeah, assure yeah. you. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. As Brandon mutes his microphone, <laughs> he got so pissed off at that that he had to mute his mic. All right, Eric, you're up. You ready? Yes. You get the combined question here since both the college and NFL questions are off the table. And I find that usually our combined questions lead to our best debate. Buy or sell, despite the energy that it brings to the respective games. It would be in the best interest of both the NCAA and the NFL to remove the kickoff altogether from football due to the danger that it poses. I mean, I am torn by this, but I'm actually going to buy it because there's a lot better ways that you can do it. I mean, if you were to, and since they're changing the rules, okay, used to be a five-yard running start. Now it's a one-yard start. Can't do this, can't do that, have to have certain formations. 
you're taking away some of the aspects and nuances of it anyway. And if you look, going back to the mid-2000s, for kickoff returns, the NCAA, you used to have a five-yard halo rule, then they shortened it to two yards, then they got rid of it altogether. There's currently no perfect way that it would work. Now, I have seen other leagues, the A7FL, the American Flag Football League, that have done alternatives to the kickoff. I honestly think that the NFL could not fully implement, but kind of explore some sort of hybrid to that, to where maybe instead of it being full 11 on 11, you take away some of the players on the field, Instead of kicking it from a tee, you bring your punter in. I've got a few ideas that could brew to where I think it would at very least be fun to try. Especially since you're getting you're tweaking it so much anyways, to, it's become so boring. So, yeah, buy it, but you have to get a good enough replacement. Jason, buy yourself that the kickoff needs to go. No, the kickoff is going to be a staple here on the W2M network. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. Feature. <laughs> I was um, going to say, what, what would what we I, call I, our show then? I knew that one of you was going to steal that. I'm not surprised it was Jason. To the I topic at hand, please, Mr. Teasley. Facts of the lecture at hand. Perfection of perfection. Something I land to understand from a young G's perspective. The, the kickoff needs to remain. NFL quit, needs to quit being a pansy sport. Bring back hard hits and stiff picks. Let's go play football. I don't know. I'm tired. I'm just rambling. Brandon? Well, first off, like I said, if this happened, what would we name the show then? No, no, no comment? I'm sure. I'm sure I could come up with something witty if need be. Fair enough. Hey, I hear the, I hear the cheap sheets name is open. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of actual football, I completely sell this. Like Jason said, yeah, I know you're all about, uh, you know, all about safety and all this and yada, yada, yada. But not at the expense of the game. If you're going to do this, might as well just make it hell make it flag football for the kickoff or something. I don't I don't freaking know. Like hey, I know somebody will ridiculous. cover it if it becomes flag football. What? If they get, I said I know somebody will <laughs> cover it if it becomes flag football if they can, as long as the I, hurricane doesn't interfere with their job. <laughs> I caught that reference. Man, we are some shade throwing some bitches up but, on this yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, for for those of you who have watched South Park, I mean, just go watch Sarcasta Ball. It's that's pretty much what this is becoming. Oh, personally, I say one thing that I've seen more and more of, and I would advocate it, and you could actually do it right, especially with current initiatives. If you really want all this and that and bring back hard hits and proper form tackling, this is going to sound ridiculous, but think about it. Get rid of the helmets. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all the pads. 
Yeah. Let's go back to leather helmets and pig intestines. <laughs> well, that's basically looking at it from a rugby perspective. And mm-hmm. we've actually had that conversation here on the show before that because of the lack of pads in rugby, because of the lack of pads in rugby, the players of said sport are more likely to be smart about how they hit people, not oh, putting yes. themselves at risk instead of going for as big of a hit as they possibly can. Exactly. Absolutely. They practice. I've watched rugby on a very regular basis. Form tackling, form tackling. You do have some injuries, but at the very least, from everything I've seen, the rate of concussions is much, much lower. I mean, because the only, the only issue, the, the only issue that you would see in football that obviously you don't see in the NFL is how that would impact passing. Well, one other uh, idea that I would implement to negate that, have I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned off-air the A11 offense. Mm, no, I don't think so. It's uh, invented, at, well, it started out as a prominent high school out in California. They had a very undersized quarterback like Five seven hundred and forty pounds soaking wet. They used a loophole in the rule book to where they would line them up in basically a punt formation, but instead of having it like the usual punt kick, it would basically be executing like a fake punt. You would run out of it, throw out of it, etc. And in that rule, you would only have your five guys in basically that tackle box. They be your designated linemen. Everybody else be considered an eligible receiver. Hence the A11. All 11 players could potentially be eligible receivers depending on where they line up at the snap. As compared to the numbering system that the NFL has had in place since the 70s. If you were to get rid of the helmets, but if you were to make the A11 legal Imagine the sets of fireworks and the play creativity that you could have going on. And imagine the kind of athletes that you would even get to play in the NFL because you would need that extra versatility. Something to consider going forward for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, regardless, and and I've said it before and I'll say it again, um, you know, Football, especially with how things are going now, football is going to look very foreign over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I I agree. And this is why other leagues are starting to pop up because they are trying to preserve football in some way as it is. Mm-hmm. Because if we think forward 10 20 years, 30 years, and I've mentioned this before. Go back to when Sports Illustrated and Wired did their Super Bowl 100 series, imagining what football would look like in 50 years, given a variety of other circumstances I won't go into if that's even possible, but football is going to change one way or another regardless because of technology, because of innovations, et cetera, et cetera. Why not, since it's going to change, make it fun in the process? And in some ways, 
go back to the old days of the 20s and 30s where you had your two-way athletes and you had a lot of great stars, except they would be bigger, faster, stronger. We'll continue this debate to rage on as the kickoff continues, obviously, because this is something that isn't going away anytime soon. And I think that once we have the new league with Vince McMahon, the XFL popping back up, as well as the other one that Eric mentioned before, and I forget the name. I apologize, Eric. I'm sure you can remind me. The Alliance of American Football? Yes. I'm sure that we'll get more and more... uh, traditional views from the way that the game is played from those leagues. Well, depending on when their schedules land and how their schedules land will depend on if we're able to cover them on the show. Usually the NFL downtime is our downtime. We'll discuss that amongst ourselves and let you guys know that. But for now, it's time to move on and it's time to pour one out for the homers. Let's start with, let's start with Jason for college football here. West Virginia had a bye week last week and then this week they took care of business against Baylor. You mentioned earlier that you were a little more optimistic about when the Sooners come to Morgantown here. What about Texas, though? Is that game in Morgantown as well, or do you guys have to go to? We play, I'm pretty sure we play in Texas this year. Um, I'm a little worried about us on the road against any school. We showed that against Iowa State. But I'm glad I've seen, um, I'm glad I'm seeing the fact that West Virginia actually opened up the playbook. Greer got his confidence back. This couldn't have happened at a better time. Bouncing back off the loss to get your confidence back. And I really enjoyed the fact that Dana actually took some initiative this week. Uh, The defense looked really good. I mean, Baylor could be down, but I don't know. I mean, mean, that was a scary-looking game. So bad that, you know, the wife actually took over the TV and I just followed it on my phone because I was, it was just such a massive blowout. I was giddy watching it on my phone rather than on my 50 inch flat screen. So I'm really optimistic going forward. Now let's see if we can get to you the momentum. All right. That takes us to your national football league team, the giants who fell to one and six after their loss to the Falcons on Monday Night Football. I dog, they stuck. Yeah. They're, they're always the underdog. Um, so they need to take their vitamins, say their prayers, get enough sleep at night. What I can, can, and I, I feel good about it now, is they're kind of coming together a little bit. They could have won that game. They had opportunities to win that game. It all boils down to Eli getting his confidence back. I think the trouble with the old line has got Eli rattled, and he's on, like, course to get sacked, like, 2.5 billion times this this year. And rough estimate. Yeah, give or take five. Um, But... He missed an easy throw to Odell that would have would have definitely scored. Um, but I think they're actually starting to buy in. They they made a couple risky plays. Statistically, they went for two and didn't get it. But 
statistically it was the right call. So I see glimpses of hope. Uh, I think we're going to bounce back and kick that team in Washington's but that I will not say the mascot's name because I'm politically correct. And um, and if any of our listeners believe that, I have a bridge in Brooklyn for sale. <laughs> I, I, honestly, honestly, you can go back for three years. I've never said the team. I always refer to them as the team in Washington. I try to do the same for the very same reason. Brandon, I'm going to bring you in for the discussion of the Giants as well. The heartbreaking loss on Monday Night Football aside, how do you feel they line up against Washington, which is a 1 o'clock off this Sunday? Um, it's going to be a tricky one. I mean, it's it's going to be closer than I think a lot of people are thinking because it is a you know divisional game and everything, and those games always have that added oomph. But, I mean, Washington's been playing very well this season. They're on, at the top of the NFC East. So, I mean, is it a winnable game? Yes, but uh, I'm not quite as optimistic as Jason is, especially because it seems like the Giants are in fire sale mode right now. So, you know, it's going to be a tough rest of the season. Eric? Oh. We have to discuss it. It happened earlier tonight. For those wondering, we're actually recording this week's episode of the kickoff on a Friday because a Wednesday night, Jason had a family emergency, so we postponed a little bit. And then I ended up in the hospital yesterday, which was nice. Wonderful. But anyway, tonight on ESPN, I believe, Miami of Florida took on Boston College. It did not end well for your hurricane, Derek. We need a damn quarterback. No two ways around it. Now, granted. So what you're saying is Nikosi Perry isn't the answer? No. We went back to Rozier. Rozier. A 53.1 QBR. 781 yards passing on the season. And he leads the team. We're done. We need a quarterback. I at this point, what's the point? We can't. Def- we couldn't defend the run tonight. We could barely even defend the pass. We're done. We're just done. Do you know who your next game is? Duke. Well, Duke is coming. Duke is coming off of getting their butts handed to them by Virginia Tech. So I would say that there's a little hope for optimism there. But we'll talk more about that next week, since your game for this week has already been played. Let's move to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where a 20 to seven loss to the Houston Texans gave Houston the lead in the division and moved you guys into a tie with the Tennessee Titans at three and four in second place. Not unovercomable. But losing early in a divisional game to Houston is not going to do you any favors going forward, is it? No. The fact that now Houston has won five in a row. Deshaun Watson's like, hey, long and all, I'll ride on a bus for 15 hours if it means that I can go and ball out and throw five touchdown passes on national television. Sure, why not? Again, our defense is demotivated. Jalen Ramsey's awfully quiet now for good reason. And again, we need a quarterback. Yeah, Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler are not taking us to the promised land 
anytime soon. Well, you have another opportunity to bounce back against another team on a slide right now. The also three and four Philadelphia Eagles, as you guys are the NFL Network national broadcast Sunday morning from London at nine o'clock. Your thoughts going into this game? 9.30, and yeah, this is going to be one of those times I'm glad I get to sleep in on Sundays because even then, the way that we've been losing, going into our supposed second home, even though Shah Khan decided not to buy Wembley, which for reasons varied, fine, I don't trust the atmosphere i don't trust the vibes i really don't see us winning this game it's going to be an ugly watch because yes with carson wentz is still on the way back to where he was last season but he's not there yet they're showing promise but no with this team we're having Somewhat issues running. We should have Carlos Hyde this week. We can't throw. Bortles is going to be on a short leash. There were talks of him being demoted all the way to the third string quarterback. God only knows who else we have on our roster. It There's just nothing there right now. All right, Eric, flip the script. Okay, so... um. First of all, you got the cocktail party coming up. I naturally, in my typical fashion, wore red and black to work today. So with Florida, with how things are going, how do you feel knowing that this could be at the very least somewhat of a pivotal weekend in the SEC East? I wouldn't say somewhat of a pivotal pivotal weekend in the SEC East. I'd say the pivotal weekend in the SEC East. Between Florida playing Georgia this weekend and a match that we'll talk about a little bit later on in Missouri and Kentucky coming up later this weekend as well, this could be a weekend that decides who comes out of the SEC East and into the SEC Championship game against the aforementioned Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, boy. As far as my prediction goes... Yeah, I mean, that's another, like, big showdown. Penn State, Iowa. I I got Trace McSorley on my college fantasy team, just so you know. Should I be feeling good about that going into this week? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. The game is in Iowa City, is it not? I'm seeing it in Happy Valley. Okay, well, if it's in Happy Valley, I'm a lot more confident about it than I would be going to Iowa City. Going to Iowa has been a death trap for Big Ten powerhouses over the last couple of years. Ask Michigan, ask Wisconsin, ask Ohio State a couple of years back as well. All three of them have gotten got when they went to Iowa City. As far as the Nittany Lions go, consistency is key because we have two of the most heartbreaking losses in college football with the one-point loss to Ohio State, and then the four-point loss to Michigan State when they scored in the fourth quarter to beat us 21-17. A victory over Indiana last week is nice, but it was expected. A victory over Iowa this week would be nice, but it's expected. There is no more games on Penn State's schedule 
that is going to help them. They need things to fall their way in order to have any chance at coming out of the East in the Big Ten. For the oh. record, so my official predictions, Penn State over Iowa. And it physically pains me to say this, but I think they're a better team, and I trust their quarterback more than I trust our Georgia over Florida. How about them dogs? Oh, tomorrow's going to be a fun day. Although for the first time in about three years, the liquor stores haven't uh, put out signs saying that they're going to open at 8 a.m. I don't know how to feel about that. I will say this much for the uh, for the Florida Georgia game: neutral field, and Georgia's only a one point favorite. Mm-hmm. Where where is it? It's in Jacksonville. It's nope. in Jacksonville at M and T. That is actually legit neutral because it's probably mm-hmm. about the same distance between the two. A little bit closer to Gainesville. Yeah, but, but not by much. Georgia travels well, so we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. All right, let's talk NFL, Eric. Okay, now, are you familiar with the term scoregami? <laughs> is this the first ever 37-5 game in NFL history? I'm pretty sure it is. I would think it would have to be. Now, A, how does it feel to be on the five in that score line? And B, Derek Anderson, Nathan Pickerman, or neither? Take your pick. Take my Pickerman, you mean? Um, A, <laughs> the answer to the A is about the same as it feels to be on the end of a 7-20 to 20 at home against Houston. Fair, fair, fair. B, no, it, it, it sucked, obviously. Indianapolis was 1-5 coming into this game. This was a game that Buffalo should have won. But as Chris Berman has said many times over, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Wait, but aren't you circling them backwards? Or would this yes. be inside out? I'm confused. <laughs> this would be the reverse wagon circling because we win the games that we shouldn't. We lose the games we should win. It is Buffalo 101 as far as Indianapolis goes. And the answer to your quarterback question, can Sean McDermott suit up and play quarterback? I feel like we'd have a better chance. He's in decent enough shape. I think he could do it. We'll give you Blake Bortles if you just take him off our hands. On a technical level, I would think it I mean, I don't think there are any rules that have changed that would would uh, would the fact the fact that my merely hypothetical statement is being considered says all you need to know about the quarterback situation <laughs> in Buffalo. I mean, there have been player coaches in in NFL history. There have been hey. player coach owners in NFL history, so it can be done. Eric, would you like to take this a step further? Okay. It's time for another scoregami in the NFL. Because New England's probably going to hang freaking 50 on us on Monday Night Football. Oh, but they've done that before, though. Yeah, but like 50 to 4, 50 to 2, you know. We get a safety. Our defense isn't complete garbage. They show up for at least two or three plays so, a game. So basically, you just get safeties for your scores. That's it. Two safeties. Yeah, but- you're going up against Tom Brady. Do you really think you'd even get a safety? That's fair. You suck. <laughs> I'm, okay, okay. 
there is a way. Say that they get a touchdown pass. Say that they go for two. We block the extra. No, we block the extra point and take it back for two. There you go. That's two points. That'll work. That's my (laughs) prediction. 56 to two, New England. Scoragami that. (laughs) We move on to get it together. Jason, since you're crashing on us, you start. Get it together. I, I, I don't even know where to even begin on get it together. I want to say get it together to the Giants fire sale. We just need to sell the whole team. Just, just sell them. Scare it everybody. Cindy, lie down to reunite with Coughlin and Jacksonville. Send us Bortles in a first-round pick. We'll take it. Deal. <laughs> no, there's not a chance that Eli's worth the first-round pick at this stage of his career. That's but hilarious. But we're getting rid of Bortles. We well, don't the, care. We are, the reason why we're getting the first-round pick is because we got to take Bortles off their hands. Yes. Yes. That may have been. All right. Brandon, get it together. Um. And I, I will preface this, and I will be perfectly honest, I am a little biased when it comes to this get-together, but I'm also looking out for his future. Le'Veon Bell, get-together. You're just shooting yourself in the foot more and more the more the longer you stay out, because teams are going to look at you and say, I don't care, especially the teams that and and there are plenty of running backs in the league that are, you know, at least serviceable. This isn't a running league anymore. Running backs, you know, this isn't 2007, 2008, 2009 where running backs are at the top of the class when it comes to fantasy football and regular football. No. This is a passing league. Team and and even teams, you know, now with the college systems coming into the league much more and being successful even after a year, more quarterbacks are becoming running guys. So the running back position is not as highly sought after as it used to be. And you're just continuously shooting yourself in the foot by stay by staying out because especially teams that are very, you know, tight-sealed when it comes to not wanting to have any controversy around their organization and and liking to have players who are team players, they're going to look at you and say, "I don't care how good you are. You're 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 a douche. We don't want you." And I could definitely see only maybe 2, 3, maybe 4 Maybe five teams at most legitimately looking at him as a free agent come the end of this season. And I think those teams are not going to be the uh, the, the top caliber teams, let's just say. I, I'm i going to disagree with that because I think talent trumps attitude in the NFL. Especially and- the not when NFL. you're getting up there in age, and not with the asking price that he's he has. Not that up. He's not that up there in age, though. I don't think he's hit thirty yet. But you. But we all know that uh, that the 
the a the the age curve for running backs in the NFL is very steep. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I still think that there's a team out there that will take a chance on oh, Bell. Oh, there's a team if... out there, but I don't think it's going to be a top caliber team. I'm I going think it'll to be at most that. a middle of the pack team. I agree to disagree here. I'm going to disagree with that. Eric, are we taking a tr- we're taking a trip to the conference USA here, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm looking for some things, but as far as with my get it together, I've got a special message. Not so much get it together, but keep it together. And this was going to be my secondary so that happened. Does the name Ray Carruth ring a bell? I just got out of jail. I I saw this story on ESPN as well about his son. Yes. He, 17 years, he's done his time, he's paid his debt to society. Okay. With everything involved, he's petitioning and angling for custody of his son. Who, because of the tragedy with his mother's passing and he was in the womb, he was born with cerebral palsy. Ray, I understand what you want to do in this situation. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that your time has changed you. Get it together. Keep it together. You really weren't on the best of terms with your son's family. You're not on the best of terms. Find a way to build the bridge, but this is not it. Keep yourself on the right path. Get yourself whatever job you can. I know it's going to be extremely tough, but there's a lot of things that you can do right now. There's a lot of things that you should do right now. I really don't think this is one of them. And something like this not exactly hits home to me, but to an extent. Ray, just hit the pause button. Integrate yourself with everybody. Get it together. Keep it together for everybody's sake. All right, I think that would probably be a little bit better of a note to go for here for than the Western Kentucky you originally had selected. So do you want to just stay with that one then? Yeah, because uh, that, I realized that with Western Kentucky and the quirkiness of how you blow a lead when give up three untimed downs and lose, that's one thing that's probably never going to happen again, but... For this one in these kind of times, that's that to me was kind of more important. And and I mean, just real quick here, it was a two-win team against a one-win team, so it's not like the game has any kind of significance towards the season either. Uh, except for gamblers, because <laughs> believe me, there was a bad beat in that one. I am sure there. I actually think the GameCast article on ESPN is tagged with the bad beat segment that Scott Van Pelt did. You were about to yeah. say, Brent. Um, yeah. In, in regards to uh, Eric's actual get together, 
uh, yeah, it, if you don't have the time and and the patience and the effort to take care of him because he does have CP, yeah, that may not be the greatest uh, idea. You don't you have no idea how much time and effort it takes. Uh, this one hits a little ho- close to home to our Brandon Biscabing. Indeed. That's all I'll say. They don't need to know anything more. My get it together is the Pac-12. Because the Pac-12's last bastion of hope towards the college football playoff went down in spectacular fashion last Saturday when the Oregon Ducks got the duck knocked out of them by Washington State. Ah, uh, Pac-12. You scoreboard running some biscuits. Maybe, just maybe, and this is a crazy thought in 2018 college football, if you didn't schedule, what was it, Pennsylvania School for the Death, Mile 65 Northwest? <laughs> yeah, except <Tennessee>, for. <laughs> Tennessee Tech, and Holy Cross is your out-of-conference opponent? Maybe, just I don't even think Holy Cross has a, fo- a college football team anymore. That's the point of that joke. They're holy hell now. <laughs> the segment has gone to holy. Never mind. Moving on. Real quick here. Just improve your out-of-conference schedules, and maybe we won't talk about the fact that you're a dead conference in week eight. Get it together, Pac-12. With that, we move on to our final segment of the show. It is time for, are you serious? All right, Jason, I know you're crashing. I'll let you go first so that way you can get these out of the way and get, get your ass to bed. <clears throat> All right, which one are we going to go with first, NFL or college? We always start with college, so let's start with college. All right, my college is going to be UTEP getting 16 over UAB. Uh, Why? I took Eric Watkins' method of picking games, went down, first game I seen, figured it might be a good way to go. I'm going to tell you right now that UTEP is absolute freaking garbage, and you're probably going to lose. I'm going to tell you right now, never bet against a half-tired ginger who's running on minimal sleep. <laughs> All right, what about your NFL prediction, Mr. Domus? My NFL prediction is actually kind of surprising. Um, I, I didn't understand why the, the line on this was so was at nine when I looked at it, but I wouldn't take the Packers getting nine against the Rams. I think that that game's going to be a lot closer than I, nine points. I looked at that one myself. Believe it or not, the line. I was confused. Anything yeah. to plug? Oh, go ahead. I, if you had anything to add to it, Jason. I mean, I just. It's just it's just amazes me that an Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packer team is getting nine points. I mean the Rams look good, but I, I can't with such a high high spread. I can't go against Rodgers. I mean it's not a bad pick. I looked at it myself. I'm not gonna lie. All right, man, you get some sleep. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. All right. I'll see you guys later. Later, Jason. Uh, Brandon, are you with us? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. All right. College, are you serious? 
so explain to me how a ranked team, granted they've had their ups and downs this year, are a minus seven, or yeah, I think I saw minus seven underdog over, just... against Missouri. God damn it, Bisco, you stole my pick. I told you this was a pretty self-explanatory one as soon as I saw it. I was like, are you serious? This, this is too easy. Yeah, this one's, this is the one that I looked at as well. Kentucky at Missouri getting seven. Yeah, yeah, this, this is a no-brainer. All right, I'd ask you what your call, what your NFL pick is, but I feel like we should go ahead and just tell everybody what your NFL pick is because it's already happening. Yeah, go ahead, make fun of me now. Usually, for sake of the show, we record the kickoff on Wednesday nights before the Thursday night college and NFL games for this very reason. Brandon's NFL pick this week was supposed to be Miami getting seven and a half against Houston. Miami proceeded to go out and lose by 19, therefore having Brandon take an 11 and a half point loss. Yeah, I thought this, I mean, the beginning of the game, it looked like they were going to make it close. It looked like this was going to be a very close game, but then, you know, fourth quarter, Houston decided to run away with it. Yeah, that that's your fault for believing in Brocktober. Yeah, I know. Have you learned nothing from the Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, and every other, the Denver Broncos, and every other team that Brock Osweiler had screwed? Um, I guess I believed in some more Fitzmagic that didn't come to pass. Is Kodamas in the NFL? Not so much. No. All right, Eric, you're up. College football. South Florida plus eight over Houston. The other game that I looked at as well, because again, a ranked team getting a touchdown. Granted, on the road, and Houston has been playing really well ever since yours truly made their quarterback his stud for the week. But yeah, I I thought this too. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I don't dislike Houston, but I think South Florida, USF has too much firepower for them. Yeah, Charlie Strong's got that team humming, and they're setting up potentially another big clash in that uh, the outdoor war on I-4 against UCF. That's going to be very interesting. What's with all of the uh, ranked teams being underdogs this week? Because Vegas. (laughs) Because Vegas are idiots? I wouldn't say they're necessarily they're idiots. Maybe they've got tax issues going on. Maybe they're trying to compensate for everybody betting on the Golden Knights. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I will say this much. There have been a couple of times that we've thought to ourselves, what the hell is this line all about? I'll remind you, two weeks ago, some of us looked at that Kentucky-Texas A&M line with Texas A&M minus seven against Kentucky and thought, how is Kentucky getting seven against Texas A&M? That game would have been a push because Texas A&M won by seven. Crazier things have happened. Mm -hmm. Eric, what about the National Football League? Another one. Jets plus eight over Chicago. Granted, Uh, I'm slightly shakier on this one, but if I'm going Sam Darnold to... 
is working with a lot less than Mitch Trubisky, who all he can do is run. Yeah, that kind of says everything I need to know. You're really putting your faith in the Jets? I am never <laughs> going to do this again. And for a certain someone who loves to blow up my phone that I know for a fact who will listen to this podcast. Yeah, they, Randy. No, actually someone else. Someone that I've known since college. Yes, I know who you are, Mr. Long Island. Yeah, this. I say no more. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. You know it. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. All right, we move on. Uh, my college pick is already out there. I'm with Brandon on this one. Kentucky plus seven at Missouri. I don't know how this Wildcat team keeps getting slept on. They've proven themselves with the win over Florida, and look what Florida's done since. Nobody's touched Florida since. Vanderbilt gave us trouble in the first half, but we more or less took care of an LSU team that then went out and rocked Georgia. My NFL pick was a little bit trickier for me, but I think I found a good one here. We're going to Ford Field, where the Seattle Seahawks are three-point underdogs to the Detroit Lions. Point blank, I trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Matthew Stafford. Yeah. yeah. Give me Seattle. And although with that one, I will say the line makes sense. I honestly even think that Vegas is giving the Jaguars a break. What are you guys getting? Oh, uh, Jags plus three in London? Yeah, I think Jags it's being plus three. Yeah, about right, but I would say at least a teeny bit generous. The Bills are 14-point underdogs against the Patriots, in case anybody's interested. I will say this much. The last time we were a double-digit dog, ask Minnesota what happened. Yeah, but at the same time... (laughs) This is the Patriots that are finally getting their groove together. Not (laughs) to mention, this is Monday Night Football. (laughs) Yeah, this ain't Minnesota. We're about to get our asses kicked. I'd I'd give it more like uh, 30. My thirty would be my uh, plus minus. I would uh, I would still be taking New England minus the thirty. I'm sure you would. It's a sad state of affairs in Buffalo right now. Bye weeks to the Falcons. Bye weeks to the Falcons, Cowboys, Titans, and Chargers. So we don't get to make fun of Sean's team next week on the show. We'll find something next week to make fun of them up though. I'm sure. I think that's going to do it for us, gentlemen. Yep. Yeah, but for Bills fans, it's a consolation. It's a Monday night game. That means you have a few extra hours to get good and drunk. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a Monday night game, which is the same night wrestling's on, and that screws me. Now well, I, have to watch. I mean, do you really want to watch the Bills get whipped? I'll have it on the tablet as background noise. And then if we actually have a chance, <laughs> but if we do... I'll flip it over to the big screen. Eric, tell people where else they can find you here on the W2M. Well, um, uh, thank our quasi-awesome producer, Sean, for the uh, lack of hearing the dulcet tones. But 
boy, hell, let's just say it'll make some interesting stories on both point of viewer and maybe a special episode in the future of Soccer to the Max? Dot, 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 question mark. Dun, dun, dun. Semi-dramatic reverb. I, I, I feel like we've already hit that one tonight. Brandon? Uh, I, what? I don't feel this episode was balls Mahoney to the wall. No, no, it was not. Um, I may have a co-host uh, for Raw uh, forthcoming. Not sure exactly when we'll be uh, restarting that. Um, but yeah, wrestling shows will be coming back soon. Uh, well, I stand by what I said. If you get a weekly co-host for Monday Night Raw, I'm down to still do SmackDown. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so we will have. We should have uh, wrestling coming back soon. And then uh, the the graveyard shift has two uh, two new episodes up, so be sure to check those out. Week two and three of Thirty One Days of Halloween are up. Does she go by Tori Biscuping on the show? No, we have uh, pseudonyms for them. You haven't listened to them yet. I'm not a horror fan. It's not oh, really okay. Name. Fair enough. But um. All right, well, it's spooky with Brandon and Tori, or whatever names they happen to use on the show. Check out soccer, football, and point of viewer with Eric. You can listen to me on the SmackDown review once it comes back here. I don't know if I'm going to be doing NXT because Thursday nights are kind of superfluous for me. I'd have to let you know, Brandon. But we'll figure something out there. In addition, you can check out... The Raw Reaction every Monday night at 11.30 over on the Chairshot Radio Network. And coming soon to the Chairshot website, I have reviews of both Impact Wrestling's last two pay-per-views. And then my regular role over there will be as the guy who reviews Progress Wrestling. So that'll be coming soon to thechairshot.com. We are the kickoff. We are a presentation of the W2M Network which is available online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can also find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. But since Jason's already hung up, we're not sure as to the dickish nature nature of Glacier yet. (laughs) We'll let you guys know. For the departed Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscuping. I'm Harry Broaders. Thanking you for listening to regular season episode eight of season two of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you hopefully next Wednesday night.